Hey, welcome. Stand again, would you? I want to read some scripture to you. Uh, my name's Brad, and I'm the pastor. If you're new, I didn't get to say hi to you before service. Uh, I'll be outside, Laura and I will be out there at the barbecue later, so come find us, or we'll try to find you and connect. And we're just glad you're here. Uh, you've walked into a place of hope and healing and peace and purpose. You know, we are celebrating our anniversary today, six years, and a whole lot of history behind that. And um, I just cannot express to you enough what an honor it is for Laura and I to be your pastors. I mean, it just, um, every day I'm just humbled by it. It's been such an honor that God has uh, given to just be a part of this journey all of these years and all the fruit that God has done from so many amazing things, so many amazing people. And had a moment there with Keldon this morning where uh, I was talking to him because um, I, he's 13. I was 13 when I got baptized. And uh, I just all of a sudden, I, I was taken back to that moment. And I was just talking to him because I got a little lost. I got a little lost after that. And uh, made some really, really stupid choices in my life. And it just didn't, I, it just, it just didn't go well. <laughs> but God rescued me. Uh, he came and he rescued me, and I have just loved living life with Jesus. And that's my prayer for you today. Listen, maybe that's you. Maybe you're, you just your life is just a wreck. I, I want to tell you that you're in a place of restoration and healing. That's what we've been about for, for ever since we started. That's all my life has been about since the moment that God redeemed me and ransomed me and rescued me. So I just want others to know that I have hope, and I want Keldon to know that hope. Like, no matter what you do, man, no matter what, Jesus is going to be there for you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to leave you. You may think that you've walked away. You ain't walking away. God, God's always got you. So I don't know if that was for him or if it was for me, but, man, I was just so happy to have that. Is it okay if I have, I'm having a moment right now? Is that okay? I'm just having, I'm having my own personal moment here. Um, I'm just so overwhelmed by the love of Jesus. It's so overwhelming. So overwhelming and so good. Come on, high five three people and tell them he is good. He is good. He is good. All right, if you have a Bible, let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter three. Ecclesiastes, don't ask me how to spell it. I don't know how to spell it. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, download you version. You can look up um, the New Living Translation. That's what I read out of. I'll explain this book here in just a second to you. We're in our series called Playlist. So if you're new and you walked in and went, what was that? What I love is most of you got it, man. You're on your feet and you're like, hey now, hey now. That's my people right there. I'm like, that's, that's how we roll around here. I love it. Energy and excitement. The rest of y'all are like, can I stand in church? I don't know if I can do this. Is this not, I don't know if this is holy or not. I don't know. Is lightning going to hit me? Putting up my lightning rod right now. Um, Listen, what we like to do is every year we do the series called Playlist. We take songs from the radio, songs we all know and love, and then we just talk about them. I believe all music is inspired and given by God, but it's not all used by God in the right way. It's often twisted and manipulated and perverted in ways that God never intended. But I believe that God can speak through all music. And so today we're going to be looking at this song called All Star. And we'll be looking at a guy who had all-star status, and his name was Solomon. And if you don't know Solomon, we're going to pick up his story in Ecclesiastes. He's at the end of his life. Now, if you're new to church, so let me give you a little background. Solomon was the king of Israel, 
and uh, he had followed up his father, David. He's at the end of his life now. He had been granted wisdom by God, wealth by God. He, we're going to get into this. He had had, you're going to read it here in just a second. He had an incredible life. Um, but we, I've never preached out of Ecclesiastes because frankly, it's a very disturbing book. If, somebody, if you've never read it, we're going to read it in our God time this week. And you're going to be like, is this supposed to be in the Bible? Like this guy is really a little twisted and deranged. It's just, but what I love about it is it's words spoken from a man who's found himself really in a state of depression. He's really in a depressive state. And so he's speaking out of that depression. And we read his words in chapter two. So remember, he's older now. He's reflecting back. And he said, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. So I said, laughter is silly. This guy's not having a good day. What good does it do to seek pleasure? After much thought, I decided just to cheer myself with wine. In other words, I'm just going to get drunk, forget it all. While still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. And in this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. This guy is miserable. I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. Okay, here's where you're going to hear how, how, uh, what an all-star this guy was. I made gardens and parks filled them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women. Bad idea. We'll talk about that here in a moment. Uh, And others were born into my household as slaves. I also owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. Like he was the king of all kings. He wasn't the king of king, but he was the king of all kings, if you understand me on that. I I hired wonderful singers, both men and women. I had many beautiful concubines. Hello. Bad idea. Bad idea. Come on, ladies. Turn to your man right now and say, that is a bad idea. All right? Yeah. Y'all are like, now he's preaching. Now he is preaching. All right. Uh, It was. We'll talk about that. I had everything a man could desire. So I became greater than all who lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I'd worked so hard to accomplish, it was also meaningless, like, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. So what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes is this idea of all-star status, all-star status status. Let's pray, and then we're going to get into it. God, we are going to stop right now and just give you glory for the amazing history of our church, for a day in which we can celebrate a great feast today. We're going to have an amazing barbecue. We thank you for that, God. We thank you for the joy that's in this room. Pray your spirit to fill this place. You know, today, Core Church is celebrating six years. I wonder what your your year is. How many years have you been following Jesus? Maybe you're not. But man, would you give him honor right now? Just right now, just if, you, if you're if you a follower of Jesus, just remember 
your anniversary. Remember when you were far from God and now, and now you're a child of God. Do you remember that day when you were baptized? Like, I remember my day. Do you remember your day? You got it? You got a picture of it? You got it? Are you, are you thinking about it? Are you thinking about how far you were from God? Are you thinking about where you were? You went down, were buried with Christ and raised again to new life. Can anybody give him glory and honor and praise in this place right now for the good that he has done in your life? In Jesus' name, amen. High five somebody and you can sit down. So here's Solomon, Ecclesiastes chapter one. Let's go back to it. He's contemplating. He's kind of thinking back about his life. He's talking to himself here and he just says, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. Like, like who, who among us hasn't said that? I think the truth is we, 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 all, we all want the good things in life, right? Come on, this is church. It's okay. You want the good things in life, right? Yeah, you want a, you want a good, good-looking uh, somebody next to you. You want a sweet ride. You want a nice place to live. You, you want the good things in life. Come on, turn to three people and say, I want the good things. I want, I want the good things. Now, your good thing... Your good thing looks different than my good thing, and my good thing probably doesn't look like your good thing. My good things are the simple things like, like I love nothing better than a sweet pair of shoes. Can I get an amen from God's people? Yeah, okay, all right. I don't hear enough men on that one. I don't know what's wrong with you. That's, that's my female tendency right there. I, I love shoes, and I, I, somebody recently introduced me to Nordstrom's Rack. Have you heard of this place? I went there, it was like the book of Revelation came to life. I mean, I it was like the pearly gates open. These electronic doors, it was like the pearly gates open. I saw the streets of gold going back to the shoe section. I walked back to the shoes. I mean, it was like the crystal sea of shoes. Everywhere I looked, there were shoes. I could just smell the leather. Oh, is it? No, just me. Okay, I mean, but we, we, all, we all have that, that, that good that good thing in life that we want. And, and Solomon, so Solomon here, if you don't know his story, Solomon experienced things on a level that none of us will ever know. Like he, he looked, man, like he, he made Warren Buffett look like Jimmy Buffett, okay? I mean, this guy, he had everything. Like let's go back through the list here, okay? Like it says that Solomon had huge homes, Huge houses everywhere. It was like an like a, a, a amazing episode of MTV Cribs. Like he's just rolling up. Yeah, this is the throne room. This is where all the magic happens, right here. Yeah. I mean, he's just like homes everywhere. It says that he has, he has gardens and, and parks, like the gathering. Did anybody go to the gathering? You've been to the gathering yet, downtown Tulsa? Anybody? Anybody? Show of hands. Anybody been to If you have not been, we went yesterday. Oh, my goodness. $400 million looks beautiful. I, it's... it's, it's it's insane. When you see it, you will just be jaw on the ground. It's unbelievable. But like the gathering for Solomon was like the garden in his backyard. That's what it was for Solomon. He was like, I got, I got them all. I, I got whatever I want. He says, I, I, he had servants. Come on now. Would it not be awesome to have some servants? Like somebody bringing you coffee and breakfast in the morning. You can't get your husband to do that, but would it not be awesome if you could hire somebody to do that? Like, they, can you imagine somebody laying out your clothes for you? Like, you get up in the morning, and they got one of those, like, dust brooms, and they're, like, dusting you. I just, I think that'd just be cool just to stand there and be like, ooh, 
I'm somebody. <laughs> this is awesome. He had servants, as many as he, as he wanted. He had, he had cattle and sheep. He had so many cattle and sheep that when he dedicated the, the uh, temple and the palace that he built, he sacrificed 150,000 of his own cattle and sheep. This guy had whatever he wanted. It says he had singers, so he's got like Jay-Z and Beyonce rolling up to his birthday party and singing. How awesome would that be? This guy has everything. In fact, that's what he says in verse 8 and verse 10. He says, I had everything a man could desire. Anything I wanted, I would take. I mean, he is rolling up in the club. I mean, he is making it rain. This dude has got all-star status. He's like, hey, now, I'm the all-star. Get your game on. I just got paid, everybody. That's how he's rolling up in the club. I know nobody here goes clubbing, so that's okay. You're not relating to that. But that, this, is, this is Solomon. Can you, can, can, you, can, you even, can you imagine a life like that? Like you have no limitations. You, you have no boundaries, like no restrictions, it's just like you could get and do whatever you want. Like, ah, I'm tired of this car. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm going to have a car for every day. You know, I came to, to church this morning in a car. It was a little cloudy. You could drive out this afternoon. It's cloudy. I'm going to leave in a convertible just because I can. I mean, can you imagine like you get tired of your house, just drop the keys in the driveway and move into another one? This is what Solomon was doing. Like, you know, forget buying Fiji water. Buy Fiji! <laughs> this is this guy. I mean, this is like... We've all driven by the billboard with the, with the Powerball number on it and just envisioned. Have you not? We've all done it like, mm, what I would do with that money right there. I mean, I'd give some to the church and to God because it's the right thing to do. But oh, what I could do with that. So this is Solomon. This is where he's at. Like, and I think even the most holy among us would admit, I'd like to at least try pleasure <laughs> for a moment. This sounds pretty amazing. So Solomon's got it all. Now he's at the end of his life, and he's older, and he's kind of looking back, and he's reflecting, and he's contemplating. And now he's a little conflicted as he looks back. And look at verse 11. He says it this way. But as I, I looked at everything I'd worked so hard to accomplish, it was also what? Say this with me. What? Meaningless. It was also meaningless, like, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. So here's Solomon. He's in his old age. He's becoming cynical, jaded, bitter. He's becoming depressed. He kind of goes Jim Carrey here. Hey, have you seen Jim Carrey lately? What's happened to Jim Carrey? I mean, it's like, you know, he's just kind of let himself go, his scraggly beard and hair, and just vision Solomon. He's sitting there. He hasn't bathed or been outside in months, you know. He's just talking crazy. This is, this is him. He just says, man, it's just all... It's just all meaningless. It's like the song. The song says this. Well, well, the years start coming, and they don't stop coming. Solomon says it this way. It's like, it's like chasing the wind. Like you, remember, you remember as a kid, you couldn't wait to spread your wings and fly and get out of your parents' house. I'm going to get my own space, my own place. Ain't nobody going to be telling me what to do, and I'm going to write my own rules. And, and then you're like, I'm getting an apartment. You remember moving out into a, an apartment, and you got yourself an apartment, and when you got that apartment, you realized, oh, wait, I got to get a job, too. Oh, okay. Oh, man. 
Got to have some money. And so you get this apartment, and you're like, yeah, now I'm rolling in the, up in here. This is awesome. Check me out all by myself, making my own rules, living my own way. You're super excited. And then you discover you got neighbors. And you, these neighbors are loud, and they're obnoxious. They're coming in at all times of the hour of day and night. And you're just like, you know what? I can't wait until I can just get my own house and, and rent my own house. And you couldn't wait to get out of that apartment. And, and then you rented a house. You remember renting a house? You're like, you escaped the apartments, and now I'm in a house, and this is awesome. And you're in this house, and you're loving this house. But then you begin to go, oh, man, I can't do anything with this house because I don't own this house. Like, I can't paint the walls. I can't change the carpet. I, I can't do any upkeep. But you know what? I need to get my own house. And so then you think, well, I'm going to get my own house. And so then you, you step out and you buy your own house. Man, do you remember that day you stepped into your house? You're like, woohoo, man, I own it. And then you look at it and a few years go by and you're like, I own it. I own it. You own all the problems that come with it, all the upkeep. There's always something that needs to be improved or something that gets dated in your, in your house. The other day, Laura, we were driving, and she's like, oh, Pottery Barn, stop. I need a catalog. Stop. I need a catalog. No, you don't need a catalog. Because you know what happens when she gets a catalog? She's opening it up and pointing it at our bathroom. Look, our bathroom looks nothing like this right here. Looks nothing like this. I mean, it's just saying, didn't you, you do some improvements? Like right now, I've been staring at our ceiling. It's got the popcorn ceiling. Anybody? Whoop, whoop. Anybody got popcorn ceiling? Okay. Oh, my goodness. Like a 1973, Okay. Got to get this down. But then you take the popcorn ceiling down, and then you're like, oh, wow, we got to paint these walls. So then you paint the walls, and then after you paint the walls, you look down, and you go, oh, my goodness, I cannot believe my children have been crawling on this carpet. <laughs> I got to get a new carpet. And you get a new carpet, and then the carpet stretches out to the tile in the kitchen, and you look at the tile, you're like, oh, my goodness, I got to replace the tile, and you replace the tile. And then you look at the cabinets, I got to replace the cabinet, and the cabinets, and I, I need granite countertops, and on and on and on, and it's exhausting. It's like chasing the wind is what Solomon says. You, he says it this way. You work so hard to accomplish something only to discover you're, you're chasing the wind. And so Solomon, he's miserable. But that doesn't make sense that he would be miserable because he's the, he's the wisest person who ever lived. Like this week, we're going to be reading in, in our, our God time all, all throughout the series. We're going to be looking at the book of Ecclesiastes and Solomon over the next couple of weeks as we continue playlists. And you can get our God time, by the way, on uh, our Facebook page or at corechurch.com. You're going to be reading about the life of, of Solomon. And this week, you're going to be reading about, in 1 Kings, how he gained wisdom. Now, Solomon, if you don't know his story, let me bring you up to date if you're unfamiliar with Solomon. So his dad was David. That's pretty intimidating. The guy who killed Goliath. The guy they wrote songs about. The guy that is the greatest king Israel's ever known. And so... Here is Solomon. He's young. He's inheriting this kingdom. And he's like, dude, I, he's talking to God. He's having this conversation with God. And he's like, I don't know how to be a king. I don't know what to do. And God steps in and says, I'll grant you whatever you want. Can you imagine that? Do you remember as a kid playing that genie in the bottle game where you'd be like, I'll grant you three wishes. What would your three wishes be? Anybody remember that? Do you remember your three wishes? Yeah, my, I, my three wishes were this. I wanted to be invisible. I wanted to be able to fly, and I wanted an endless amount of money. I still want those three today. I still, I still want to be invisible. I want to fly. That would be a, why did Solomon ask for wisdom? Why would you ask for wisdom when you could fly? But he asked for, he asked for wisdom. And God, look, God says to Solomon, he's like, that's, that's amazing. 
I, 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 you didn't ask for money or anything else. You just asked for wisdom. And so God says to Solomon, I'm not only going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you wealth beyond what you could ever imagine. And what we know is there has been no one since, uh, there's been no one before Solomon and no one since Solomon who has been wiser or wealthier. He, he had it all. Solomon had, in fact, he wrote the book of wisdom, the book we know as, as Proverbs. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, it contains over 600 wise sayings that he crafted, that God gave to him. So Solomon asked God for wisdom, but he didn't always use it. In fact, look at Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 3. We'll put it on the screen for you. Look, look what he said here at the very beginning of the Proverbs. This is Solomon. He said this, their purpose, in other words, the Proverbs, their purpose is to teach people to live what? Say this with me. What? Discipline and successful lives. Who says the Bible can't lead you to a successful life? I, I beg to differ. Solomon says right here, you follow this book, you follow Proverbs, guess what? You will be successful. But not only that, to help them do what is what? Right, just, and fair. But he didn't always heed his own advice. Like, for example, God said to Solomon, he said, look, um, he gave him the book of Proverbs and he wrote down all these Proverbs. And if you're reading the Proverbs, he says, in the Proverbs, he says to his sons, hey, be careful who you hook up with. Be careful with the woman you let into your life. But Solomon didn't take his own advice. In fact, he had over 700 wives and 300 concubines. Okay, that, that's a bad idea. Come on, say, that's a bad idea. Come on, tell somebody next to you, that's a bad idea. Listen, he's like, I don't need one wife. I just have this wife. I get tired of this wife. I'll go get this wife. I get tired of this one. I'll get this one. I'll get this one. I don't like that one. You know what? I'm, I'm not even going to get married. Marriage is a, is a waste. I'm just going to live with all these women. We're just going to live together. And he thought that was the wise thing to do. And God's like, that's not the wise thing to do. You're doing it all wrong. I didn't want you to have all these wives. And, and yet he goes this way of foolishness. He goes on and like he, uh, these wives that he's got, and in, in the book of Proverbs, he says this, he says, follow after God. He talks about this idea of looking to God for wisdom and you need to make a decision, look to God. Yet Solomon in his life set up idols to other gods all over the country. In fact, he, he was able to look outside of the very palace he lived in and look across at a hillside, the same hillside that Jesus prayed on a thousand years later, and he put idols all over that hillside. In the book of, in the book of Proverbs, uh, Solomon talks about, he says, hey, walk with integrity, treat people right. Yet Solomon didn't do that. In fact, there's this king, King Haram, who uh, Solomon got all the lumber from, he got workers from, he got gold and silver from, to build the church, like to build the temple. But he deceived him because he said, the king said, hey, all right, so I'll exchange this for something else. And Solomon says, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna give you 20 cities. The king's like, that sounds great. And he goes to these cities and he finds out these cities are junk. And he comes back to Solomon, he's like, dude, you gave me Stroud. What is up with that? There's not even an outlet mall here anymore. What are you doing? If you're from Stroud, I apologize. That's just what came to mind. All right. But he's, he's just like ripping people off. He's enslaving people. In the Proverbs, he talks about treat people right, treat people with dignity and respect. Yet, yet Solomon enslaves people and forces them to build the church. Like he's making all these foolish choices and decisions. Don't we all know somebody like that? 
I mean, we know some, we're not like that, but we know somebody like that. It's like the old saying that um, maturity doesn't always come with age. It's like, I like it in the song, he says, your brain gets smart, but, but your head gets dumb. It's like a, a teenager blowing their entire paycheck on slushies, you know, and then coming to you going, uh, I need some money for gas. Sometimes <laughs> you still make wise choices. Now, back in Ecclesiastes chapter two, verse three, Solomon reflecting, he says, after much thought, he's looking back on the choices he made. He says, I, I decided to cheer myself with wine. In, in other words, he's depressed. He's discouraged and he's depressed at this point and he's just turned to the wrong source to help him. And while still seeking wisdom, I, I clutched at foolishness. It's this idea of regret. He suddenly is seeing the regret in his life. He says, in this way, I... I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. In other words, what Solomon is saying here is, I knew the right thing to do, but the pull of pleasure was too much. I knew the wise thing to do. I knew what I should do, but the pull of pleasure just just grabbed a hold of me. If you're taking notes, uh, I'd like for you to write this down. And there's some message notes in the chair back if you'd like to write this down or under the seats in front of you. But I think this is so important is, to know this, the, the pull of pleasure, the pull of pleasure and wasted wisdom lead to ruin and regret. The pull of pleasure and wasted wisdom lead to ruin and regret. I've been guilty of the pull of pleasure. I, in my life, I know I have been guilty of wasted wisdom. Haven't we all, at some point in our lives, been guilty of the pool of pleasure and wasted wisdom? I mean, how, how many of us have not said, hey, I, I probably shouldn't do this? <laughs> you ever said that? I probably shouldn't do this. I remember my son, Jeremiah, uh, he went into a really sketchy convenience store, and uh, he came out, and he got in the car, and he had uh, one of those beef sticks, that you probably shouldn't have got. He opened that bad boy up, put it in his mouth, took one bite, and he said, mmm, I can already taste the regret. <laughs> How many of us in our lives can taste the regret? Like, you, you, the, the, the pool of pleasure, like, I, 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 I probably shouldn't spend my money on this, but then you did, and then you're left with the taste of regret, of debt and bills that are piling up that you cannot pay. How, how many of us have said to ourselves, I probably shouldn't be involved with this person. I probably shouldn't date this person. I probably shouldn't have this person in my life. I probably shouldn't have a friendship with this person because the choices and decisions. And, and how many of us, though, were pulled by pleasure and it trumped wisdom and we were left with a taste of regret? I mean, how many of us, when it comes to our choices and the decisions, you know, I probably shouldn't do this, and you know the choice, and you know the decision, and you know the right thing to do, but the pool of pleasure pushes you this way, and now all you can taste in your life is regret, the loss of integrity, a damaged reputation, a broken relationship, regret. So Solomon, is, he's, he's kind of looking out over this vast kingdom that he is, amazing things that he has accomplished in his life. And 
and he just realizes, man, I have just wasted wisdom. But he has this moment of clarity. It's really fascinating to me because I think in this moment, Solomon is he's depressed, and I feel I, I have this sense, it doesn't tell us this, but I sense that like he's laying in bed and he's overwhelmed with depression, or maybe sitting in a chair. It's like I just envision him like this, just like sitting in a chair. And he's just overwhelmed by regret. And then he has this moment of clarity. It's like all of a sudden his head just kind of pops up above the waves, and then he sees, sees the light and the goodness and the mercy of God. And in that moment, he just kind of reconnects with God. And, and he says this in, in verse 25, for who can eat or enjoy anything apart from him? Like God gives what? Say these three words with me. What does he give? Wisdom, knowledge, and joy to those who please him. That's good news. That's what God wants to give to you today. Who could not use some wisdom, some knowledge, and some joy? Like if you don't have joy today, you need to turn back to God. Let him restore your joy. Man, come on. Tell three people right now that's good news. That's good news. That's good news. Man, so here's Solomon. He had all of these, but he, he wasted wisdom, and he kind of drifted from God, and he lost his joy. I, I envision it this way. I see, I see Solomon like that he's like um, early in his life, and he asks God for wisdom, and I just see him in this moment, and he's like, you know, hey, God, I'll tell you what, God, you sit here in the, passenger, in the, in the driver's seat, and, and I'm gonna, I'll be over here in the passenger seat, and, and wherever you want to go, that's where we're going to go. And they started out, and Solomon's making good decision after good decision after good decision. And then, ooh, she is hot. Dad, God, did you see? Cause slow down, slow down. Slow down. Back it up. Back it up. What up, girl? I mean, you know. And God, and God's like, hey, Solomon, no, 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 Solomon, that's, you need to, let's go this way. No, you got to go, good man, did you see that over there? Man, look, at the weekend. no, and Solomon, he's like, no, no, Solomon, no, let's go this way. And I just see Solomon's like, yeah, here, God, move over, let me, let me drive for a minute, just for a minute, just for a minute. You sit right here, you sit in the passenger seat, you tell me where to go, all right? Here we go, all right, okay. And he's like, woo, yes, and, and God's like sitting over here going, Solomon. Bad idea, man. Don't get, shh, just hang on a second. I just, just one time, just one time, God. This is going to be awesome. And then we'll go your way. We're going to go your way. But right now, I want to go my way. And he goes this other way. And God's like, I don't want you to go this way. And him and God start having this conversation back and forth. And finally, he's like, you know what? I'll tell you what. I love you, but you go to the back seat. Here's your iPad. Zip it, all right? I, and then, whew, I got this. And then he got old. And he looks back over his kingdom, and he sees nothing but regret. Isn't that exactly what we do? And you remember you gave your life to Jesus, and you're like, man, wherever, whenever, however, God, you drive, I'm here, wherever, whenever, I'm, I, I, well, I, Ooh, this is driving me crazy, God. I don't know about this, but wherever you want, I'm, I'm with you. And, and you're deep in the word. You're immersed in prayer. You're in the house of God. You're in a group. You're, you're, you're praying for other people. You're involved. And then suddenly life just kind of creeps in, and you got some decisions and things you kind of want to do. You're like, God, hang on. Just to hang on, God. And you move God, and you go, you can, I want you to ride with me, God. But, you know, I, I just every once in a while, when I need some help with navigation, then I'm going to go to church. When I need help with navigation, I'm going to look to your word. When I need help with navigation, I, then I'll pray. But until then, you just kind of sit there. 
there, this and that. God, you need to just stop your yapping. You need to get back here. Here's your iPad. Zip it, all right? I got this. And then we end up with regret. It's the pool of pleasure and wasted wisdom that, that lead to ruin and regret. Jesus said this in John 15, 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. In other words, think of it this way. Without the wisdom of God, we will abuse the blessings that come from God. Because listen, you have blessings in your life. Solomon, the riches that he enjoyed, if you think this is a sermon about that money and riches and, and, and palaces and things is wrong, that ain't wrong. Man, I praise God that he gives money to people. You know why, you know why Tulsa has the gathering? Because God moved on somebody's heart to give $400 million. Why? Because they were able to do that. God moves on sinners and saints to press his kingdom forward. And so we have to look to this and we say, man, apart from God, I can do nothing. And without the wisdom of God, I will abuse the blessings of God. Take sexuality, for, for example. Sex is a gift from God. Come on, sex is good. Come on, turn to somebody right now and tell No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> now, nah, that's where the men go. No, tell my wife to do that. Tell my wife to tell, tell her. Tell me right now. He's, say it. Say it. Say it. <laughs> but, but sexuality is a gift from God. But what do we do? We're like, no, I want to do it your way, God. I want to do it with whoever. I want to do it whenever. I want to do it however. I want to be able to watch whatever I want to watch on TV or on Netflix or on Prime Video or on Showtime or on the internet. Am I stepping on anybody's toes right now and making me feel a little uncomfortable? Man, I want to watch whatever I want. I want to be whoever I want to be. I don't need you telling me who I am supposed to be and what has happened in our culture now today. We're more sexually confused than we have ever been. We're miserable. Families are falling into destruction. People are confused. Depression is on an all-time rise. Suicide has gone crazy in our society. Why? Because we've walked away from the beauty of sexuality as God has created it and put it into our lives. We do this also. We do this with money. It's not just a sex thing. God pours money out on you, resources on you for his kingdom. And he says, use these in a wise way. And I know for many of you, you're like, man, I want to give in that offering. I want to see people come to Jesus. I want to be part of that 18,000. Man, I don't have anything to give. I don't know what to give. Listen, you've got to pray for wisdom. What do you want me to give, God? And you give what God tells you to give. Now, let me step off for just a moment. How do I know I'm doing the right thing? You pray. You pray, and then you just make your best guess. That's what you do. You pray, read the word, talk to some people that you wise counsel, and then you just make your best guess. Like when, I, I'm, when Laura and I did our anniversary offering, I'm telling you, we got one of our sons that's getting married here in a couple of weeks, you know, and anybody who's ever had a child get married, some of you, that, that train is coming and that payment is coming due. It's a lot of money. I mean, it's like, it's expensive to wedding. To, it's like, and then the anniversary offering, I'm like, God. And so I began to pray. What do you want me to give, God? And Laura and I started having a conversation. What should we give? And we came up and we think, we think this is our best guess. For some of you, you know what that means? $10. You won't even give the $10. God's spoken to you. Give $10. You won't even do that. Some of you, God said give $10,000. $10,000. i 
I'm just, I don't know what God's speaking to you. I, you just have to talk to him about, God, how do you want me to spend this money? What do you want me to do? Man, our work, some of us, we despise our work. I hate my job. I hate the people I work with. They're just wicked. Do you know that God has probably placed you there? If you just say, God, how should I work in this environment? Like, you put me in the pit of hell. And God's like, yes, I have to be a light in a dark world, okay? And, and we despise the very thing God put us decisions, whatever God, you need to make a wise decision you need to make. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I wish I knew God's will for my life. Ask. Ask him. In fact, James says it this way. James, who is the brother of Jesus, um, in a letter that he wrote, he said, God grants wisdom to all who ask. He, he, you, all you gotta do is ask. He says he's generous. He wants to pour out wisdom. He says he won't deny anybody wisdom. He wants to give you wisdom. So without wisdom, without the wisdom of God, we will abuse the blessings of God. We'll abuse creation. We'll abuse people. We'll abuse money. We'll abuse resources. We will abuse the things that God has given to us. And God wants to give you wisdom for relationships, for your finances. He wants to give you wisdom on how to work that out with your kids and how to work that out with your parents and how to work that out in your marriage and in your friendships and, and, and what should I do and what's the decision. God wants to give you wisdom for that. And Solomon walked away and wasted that wisdom. Reminds me of a story that Jesus told in the New Testament about the prodigal son. Many of you know that story. If you don't, let me, let me just kind of recap it for you. There was a son, and, and he lived in a home, and he had plenty. His, he lived in a very wealthy home. His dad had a lot of money and a lot of resources. And he was like, you know what? I just want to live on my own. I'm going to go get my own apartment. I need to spread my wings, you know? And so he wanted to get his own apartment. And so he went to his dad and said, give me my inheritance. And he took his inheritance, and he went out, and, and he lived like an all-star. I mean, he was spending it. He was rolling up in the club. Bing, 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 bing. I mean, he was having a good time. But then the money ran out. And his friends ran out, and he found himself all alone. He was broken. Jesus says he, he ended up in this pig pen, slopping pigs. It was the best job he could get, and he was like, man, I just, and he was actually trying to eat out of the pig pen because that's all he could get his hands on. And then Jesus said this, like, what's interesting in that story, he says that um, the prodigal came to his senses. In other words, in this moment, he kind of poked his head up above the water, and like the light of God and the mercy of God and the goodness of God shined on him for just a moment and he had a moment of clarity and a moment of wisdom. And he said, I'm gonna go home. Maybe my dad will take me back. And the story says as he heads back, his father sees him at a distance and comes running to him and embraces him. And I think this is like Solomon. Solomon, this is Solomon's story, man. His father, David, he had everything, been given everything. He'd been given wisdom, and he says, you know what? I'm an all-star. I got it all figured out. And he started making poor choices and foolish choices, and he ended up in the pig pen. But he has this moment of clarity, this moment of clarity of looking back towards God. That he's the provider. He's my helper. I think that's you and me. Maybe you feel like Solomon. Maybe you, maybe you feel like that prodigal that you're living with regret. There's, there's choices and there's decisions you've made, and, and it just, it's not been good for you. And you've wasted wisdom, and the pool of pleasure has been so much. It's just pulled on you, and you've wasted wisdom, and now you see this regret. Maybe it's a decision, or maybe, maybe it's, it's your entire life. 
You're like, Brad, I don't even have Jesus in my life. Man, I don't know what to do. I want to encourage you to do this today. Turn your eyes back to Jesus. Turn back to the giver of wisdom and life. Would you stand? A few days ago, we had 18 hours of prayer and fasting. I'm so thankful for those of you that took part in that. It was so meaningful as our church was praying for people that were far from God. And, and if you don't know Jesus, we were praying for you. So we believe today could be that day for you where you could find hope and healing and rest and restoration in, in God. It was about 4.30 in the morning, and I, I was sitting uh, right over here on this, this front row all by myself in the auditorium, talking to God. And I was listening to a playlist of songs, of worship songs. And an old, old hymn just came out of nowhere. I wasn't even listening to hymns, but an old hymn. Anybody remember the hymns? Anybody? Okay, a few of you. Yeah. Um, I grew up with hymns. It's all we ever sang. And it seems like at, at just the right time in my life, a hymn always comes along. And all of a sudden, this worship artist started singing this old hymn. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. You know that, sing it with me. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I just sat in that moment and I couldn't move my face. It was like, it was like I could see Jesus. It was as close as I've ever felt to him in so long and, and nothing in life, nothing else mattered to me. You could, have, you could have thrown anything in front of me in that moment. I said, get, be, no, no, push it all aside because I, I just felt his presence and I felt so close to him. I desire that for you today. I want you to know the Father. I want you to know Jesus. Turn your eyes towards him. Let him restore you. Let him take all of that regret and turn it into something beautiful called redemption for his glory and for his honor.